All right, so we are uh, week three of this series called Wait What? Um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to. Anybody, can you remember first week what we talked about? One word, starts with an F, ends with answers. Finances, good job, good job, way to go. It does end in, right? Yeah, okay, so um, anybody remember what we talked about last week, week two? Divorce. <laughs> See, you knew that one, right? You knew that one. Um, God loves people. That's exactly right. He loves people. So we're kind of working our way through these, right? Uh, today we're in Luke chapter 16. The last story that Jesus tells in Luke 16 is verses 19 through 31. Um, wait what? Again, if you're not completely sure what that means, it's kind of what you would say if you hear something and you kind of do it. You ever done a double take like you see something and you look back and it's just be like a double take hearing wise, right? You hear something and you're like, wait, what? Say that again? So Jesus is saying things. He's talking about topics that maybe we've heard other people talk about before, and they've talked about it in a way that um, maybe wasn't quite like Jesus, right? Jesus, have you noticed that? Um, the more I read the scriptures, man, I learned this. Jesus has a way of talking about things that everybody else talks about, but not in the way that everybody else talks about it. You know, last week would be a perfect example. I cannot tell you how many people I had that, that told me this story from last week. I'm paraphrasing, but this is basically, I heard the story over and over again last week. Uh, Gee, Paul, I walked in and heard the topic was divorce, and I wanted to, what do you think they said? Run out. Like, how quickly can I get out? Like, people were saying stuff like, uh, can I leave in the middle of the message? Would it be obvious? Probably we would see that, right? Um, Because they had heard messages about that topic, and they feared the worst, right? And, and I'm not, it's not because I'm a great communicator. It's not about me. It's about when you really dive into how Jesus deals with that, you start to realize, wait a second, he is crazy about us. He loves us. Like Wendy said, we say last week was about divorce, but it's really about the fact that God loves people and don't want them to hurt, right? And so he speaks in a way that kind of makes us go, wait, what? What exactly are you saying again today? And so this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 16. I'm going to read 19 through 31. And it's, when I start reading, I can guarantee you that you're all going to start thinking, oh, God, I've heard this message before. Because it's going to, the parable, when we're talking about it, it sounds very um, hellfire and brimstone-ish. Is that a, is, I know hellfire and brimstone is a phrase, but I'm going to add the ish to the end. It sounds very much like that. So as I read it, some of you, depending on your church background, you might start to feel a little tight in the chest, like, oh, here we go. Like, you know, I thought Paul was nice, but he's going to let us have it, right? And it's just, let's read it, and then let's, I'm going to tell you three things, three things that I think God wants us to have this morning uh, when it comes to an eternal perspective. But let's start at least, let's start with reading the Word of God. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. It will be up on the screen as well if you don't have it. Here we go. Uh, Luke 16, starting in verse 19, Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. And as Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham had many sons and many sons. That's not what he said. I'm sorry. 
Okay. <laughs> There's no singing in hell. What are you doing? The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. Side note, we think it's hot here in the summer. That's hot, right? Okay, verse 25. But Abraham said to him, it's just the way I read the Bible. Hang with me. Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. And then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want, them, I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. All right, let's pray, and then I'm going to um, share with you three things that we can gain from an eternal perspective. Father, um, thank you so much again for the way that you have loved on us already this morning. This is, a, this is a great environment to bring truth from your word. And so I'm praying that our hearts would be wide open to you right now, that we would be hungry, that we'd be like sponges just soaking up um, not the wisdom of my words, but the truth of your words. I pray that when we leave this morning, you will have challenged us, God, and, and changed us, that we would see this life in light of eternity. I believe if we do that, God, it'll change the way we live on earth and ultimately will result in more people being in heaven. And that's a good thing. In your name, Jesus, amen. Um, anybody here watch the show Stranger Things? Show of hands. Okay, so we have a few. Um, let me just talk to those people. If you don't know what Stranger Things is, just whisper amongst yourselves now because we're going to have a Stranger Things conversation. Okay, so raise your hands again so I can see who I'm looking at. Oh, you're all right here and Sam. Hey, Sam. So all of you here and Sam. So um, listen, Stranger Things, uh, there is in Stranger Things this place called the Upside Down, right? So what we're reading here, now um, hang with me, okay, because I know I'm trying not to give, I'm trying to have a conversation with y'all and y'all, and not give away the whole thing because you're going to want to go home on Netflix and watch it because it's really good. Um, so I, I'm trying not to give too much away, but in Stranger Things, um, let me just say this. The upside down place, uh, is it full of hope or full of blah? Right. I had you with blah. It's so it's, it's not a great place, right? But the, the concept, I want you to get the concept. Some of you have never seen Stranger Things. How many of you have seen a movie, it goes back a few years, called The Matrix? Okay, more hands going up. You're like, I don't know what was it rated. Can I raise my hand? <laughs> I know, I know how you church people are, right? Like, I'm not sure. Was it PG-13? Yeah. I'm, was it R? I don't know. So anyway, in the Matrix, um, the Matrix was all about, like, if you took the right color pill, your eyes were opened and you saw things differently, right? And so Stranger Things and the Matrix have something in common. What they have in common is perspective, and when your perspective is changed, have it changes everything, but you kind of have a hard time explaining it to people, don't you? Right? And if you've watched Stranger Things, you know, like, some of that's like, how do we tell people this? <laughs> what do we tell? Oh, what do we do? Matrix, like, you're, what do you say to you? Like, I took a pill and I see things differently than you do. 
perspective, all right? And so this morning, this passage, um, you don't want to read it and think, okay, God, God's using Jesus right now in this instance to teach us specific things about heaven and hell because that's not the intent of this parable. The intent of this parable, so you're like, okay, so when I, if I'm in hell, do I get water from somebody's finger? How does that work exactly? Is there really a chasm? So it's easy to kind of get, you can get locked into these details in the story and thought, is that, is Jesus telling me that's what hell's like? No, he's trying to get you to have an eternal perspective. Because when we step out of this world into the next, I think we're going to experience this little, like, whoop, upside down, pill-taking, perspective-changing, like, oh, 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 that's what Paul was talking about that Sunday at the gathering. That's what he wants. If we have an eternal perspective, here's three things that will happen. Okay, you ready? They're all going to be up here for you. Three things. Number one, having an eternal perspective can keep us from being short-sighted. Okay, so what I mean by that is we will miss people if we don't have an eternal perspective. Um, Look back at this parable. What I want you to notice is there's a rich man who is not named, and he lives lavishly. And there's a poor man who is named. His name is Lazarus. By the way, he's the only person ever given a name in a parable that Jesus tells. Only person. Go to community group and you'll find out what that name means. I'm not going to tell you now. You need to get in community group. Where is Lazarus? This is crowd participation time, verse 20. Where is Lazarus? At a gate. What gate? The rich man's gate. This man, every time he walks by his gate, walks past Lazarus. Now, if he um, doesn't see Lazarus, I think he might actually, at least maybe he would smell Lazarus. Um, He might notice the sores. And if he doesn't see all of that, it's possible that he would at least hear the sound of dogs licking the sores. We have a sweet little dog named Bella. Sweet dog. She is awesome. She smells horrible, but she is awesome, right? And in the middle of the night sometimes, she will, like, start licking her leg, like, just in the middle of the night. You wake up, and you're just like, I'm going to throw you on the other side of the room, right? It's time to be asleep now, right? You hear the sound of, like, licking. It just drives you nuts because you're supposed to be asleep. And you woke me up with the... So this dog, these dogs would come and lick this. And I know, how many, how many dog lovers do we have in the house? See, you read this story like, oh, that's so sweet. Those dogs are so, oh, they just, they love that poor man named Lazarus. And they're just, they want to be near him. Back in the day when Jesus was walking the planet, dogs were not seen like pets. Dogs were nasty. Some of you right now are like, I'm not a dog lover. Ain't no dog touching me. Mm-mm. But they were, this was not a sign of affection by a dog. This was a sign of infection, right, in Lazarus. This was not good. This was like as, as low as you can get is you're laying at a rich man's gate. And what does he want? He just wants some scraps from the rich man's table. Well, he's not going to get scraps at the table, right, because where is he? At the gate. How is he going to get scraps from the rich man's table? In the garbage, that came from the table to the trash can out into the street. Like, do you, are you getting a picture of how low Lazarus is? And what I want you to see is that this rich man didn't see him. 
He lived a short-sighted life. He was so busy enjoying his luxury that he was living for this life and this life only, and he didn't see the very person that God had placed at his gate. Let me ask you this question. Who's at your gate? Who is at your gate? What opportunity is in front of you right now that you're missing? Because you don't have an eternal perspective. I don't, I don't have time for that. I can't really help that person. I've got to go take care of this. And if all the things we have to go take care of are for this world and this world only, we do not have an eternal perspective, and it's causing us to live short-sighted lives that miss the people that are at our gate. Gathering as a corporate church. Who's at our gate? Downtown businesses, right? They're at our gate. A downtown that's trying to thrive and is kind of empty, that's at our gate. And if, if all we do is what is good for us, but we don't actually see the opportunity, then we don't have an eternal perspective. As a church, live with eternity in mind, and you will see people in an eternal light. This is so critical. It's so critical. And when you start to see things from this perspective, it changes everything. Here's a really quick example. Is, is Sydney in the house? Hey, hey Sydney, listen up. Relax, exhale, it's all good. It's a good, it's a good, good example. Yesterday we were at a family reunion. Um, how many of you have been to family reunions and you're just like, I don't want to go? You don't know anybody. It's like when you're an adult, you can kind of fake it, right? Because you, be like, you can say stuff like, we were um, in uh, upstate um, South Carolina, so, you know, I could, I could have a conversation with anybody from there. You just walk in and go, Clemson stinks. And they want to fight, right? And so at least you've connected. It's not a good connection. But, I mean, adults can kind of fake it. But I, I can remember being a teenager and, and sitting with going with yesterday. And she's like, I don't want to, I hate family. I don't know anybody. And so, like, you kind of know, like, that's an aunt. It's an uncle. I think that might be a cousin. Who's that a stranger? Like, who are these people? And we're sitting there. And she's at her table. And then we're at another table. Just kind of worked out that way. And there's one other person that's there. She's in the ninth grade. And so Sydney and this person are the same age. And all I said to this girl was, do you, do you watch Stranger Things? And she went, oh, yes. And I went, hey, Sydney, y'all should connect about Stranger Things. And guess what they did the rest of the time? Talked about Stranger Things together at the same table, like, you know, and I walked over, and I was like, Stranger Things, making family reunions better today, right? But it's because they had a shared, a common experience, something that they could talk about together. It changed everything. That perspective changed everything. I'm telling you, if you're living a short-sighted life, all you need today is an eternal perspective, and it will change every interaction you have from this point forward. You will treat your server differently today at lunch, when you have an eternal perspective, it'll keep us from living lives that are short-sighted. Here's the second thing that it does. Having an eternal perspective can keep us, this is a no-brainer, from eternal punishment. Listen, life would be so much simpler if Jesus' story ended with verse 22. Most of us, not well, maybe not most of us, a lot of people live as if it ends in verse 22. Because here's verse 22. Finally, and I love how Luke wrote that, don't you? This poor man laying at a gate, he's getting no food, he's getting lots of love from dogs that you don't really want, lots of unwanted attention, they're lapping at his sores, and he is in misery, and Luke writes, finally, the poor man died. It's like, God, he finally, he's, that part's over. And then it says that then the rich man also died. 
And if it just stopped there, you could, with all power and authority, stand up right now and say, hey, Paul, shut up, because I would have nothing to say. You would say, we're just going to eat, drink, and be merry. We're going to get the most we can out of this life because it's all we have. And the message I'm teaching right now would be foolish for anybody to believe. But the thing is, it doesn't end at verse 22, does it? What happens in verse 23? He went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. See, this life ends, but then the real life or death begins. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. God has made everything beautiful for, for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Here's what that means. It means like, you know, when you go through life and you're just like, there's got to be more to this. It's because there is more. It's eternity. He's put it in your heart. We're not made to get all we need out of this life. We're made to go through this life going, but, like, there's got to be something else. It can't just be this. That's why when you hear people say, like, just do all you can in this life because someday you're going to die and that's it. Like, even if you don't even really love Jesus, you hear that and go, that's it? That can't be it. Because in your heart, you know that's not reality. Reality is eternity. He's placed eternity in our hearts. This this life is simply the forward to the real story. And the rich man gained an eternal perspective. What I want you to see is that he gained an eternal perspective too late. God's plan from the beginning is that we would live this life with the next life in mind. Because he knows if we have an eternal perspective here, it can keep us from eternal punishment. Now, you know people that love Jesus, and they are jerks, don't you? Oh, you're not going to say that you do? You're probably sitting next to them. No, I'm kidding. Don't you know people? Like, they're the meanest people on the planet. And if you talk to them about, like, how they live and how they act, they're like, it's okay. I'm going to go to heaven someday. So, like, what, what we would say in, in, as pastors is, like, they have fire insurance, right? <laughs> they're, they're, ma- they're making sure that they're not going to go to hell, but they're kind of like hell to live around here, Right? We don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want people that say, well, I just want to get out of hell. So it's not just about escaping eternal punishment, but that's a good thing, right? I mean, especially if you're reading this, you're like, I don't want to be there. So it's good to not go there. And having an internal perspective here helps us escape eternal punishment there. It's not a bad thing. It's just not the only thing. So Jesus didn't share verses 23 through 31 to scare us. He talked about heaven and hell just because they're real. This parable that he's telling holds no power if heaven and hell aren't real. They are. And that's why it holds the power that it does. He's not trying to scare us with imaginary stories about imaginary places. That works really well for Stephen King, right? He's made a great, brilliant career writing scary stories. I'm not a big scary movie lover. Maybe you are. It's personal preference, I know, but you're wrong. 
I'm not. Like, I would have nightmares. I just don't do well with it. I've been to a few scary movies, and do you know how I got through them? I mean, even as a grown-up, I didn't close my eyes. Come on, man. I would say over and over to myself, it's just a movie. It's just a movie. It's just a movie. It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. Why did it freak everybody out? Because clowns are real, right? <laughs> now, the story may not be real, but we're like, but that's a clown. I would get through these movies just convincing myself, it's just a movie. It's just a movie. It's not real. It's not real. I can, I can go home and turn my lights out, and nobody's going to pop out from under my head. See, these stories aren't like that. These stories from Jesus are designed to make you go, oh, crap, it's real. It's real. It's real. I better think through this. Jesus isn't trying to scare you with an imaginary story for a moment. He's trying to save your soul forever. It's a big deal for us to have this eternal perspective and say, wait a second, there is an eternal punishment, and I would rather not be a part of that. Having eternal perspective keeps us from an eternal punishment. He wants us to remember that eternity is real because he wants us to trust the decision that we made for him and for his salvation. Have you? Have you made a decision to trust him with your eternity? Have you done what you need to do to keep yourself out of eternal punishment? I mean, it's really simple, isn't it? It's to trust the work that Jesus did on the cross. Like he, he didn't just scare us with a story about a real eternity. He came to provide a way out of that eternity. He is the way, choosing Jesus. And listen, here's the thing. You'll never choose Jesus for salvation if you don't believe that you need to be saved. Right? So I could talk about hell all day long, and you're like, that's awesome, man. That was so, and it, that clown thing you did, <laughs> Paul, that was awesome. But hell's not real, so I don't even need Jesus. If we didn't need a Savior, he wouldn't have come. He came because we do, right? So I challenge you this morning, man, not to take the easy road out and say to yourself, well, you know, hell's not really real, so I don't care about all that stuff. Now, how about for a moment? I've been praying all week long that God would open our eyes, give us an eternal perspective that we would see that there is a real heaven and a real hell, and there's a real Savior, and that's why we need him. So this morning, if you've never made that decision, you're going to have the opportunity to do that after the third point. Here we go. Last one. Having an eternal perspective can help us do now what we can't do then. Now, we are coming quickly to the end of this, and I really want to make sure that you get, um, that you get what I'm trying to tell you this morning, okay? Here we are at the very end of the story. Um, let's see, verse, verse 27. Then the rich man said, because, you know, he's already asked for some water and all that kind of stuff, and off the, the tip of Lazarus's finger, the rich man said, please, Father, at least send Lazarus to my father's home. I've got five brothers. I don't want them to end up here with me. And, and Abraham's like, you know, hey, and listen, this is important. Abraham says, um, Moses and the prophets warned them, your brothers can read what they wrote. Can I just tell you something? You'll never have an eternal perspective if you're never reading the Bible. Like what has been written is important. 
And when we read that, we gain this eternal perspective. I love Abraham's answer. It sounds so cold, doesn't it? He's like, let him read that. But that's the point. You don't need an angel to stand in front of you to tell you that it's real when God's given you his word. That's what he's saying. Now, here's what I want you to get. I think it's interesting that the, the rich man who's in torment is asking Abraham for something. I don't know what you would ask for. I mean, I, I don't really want to play the whole, if you were in hell, what would you ask for game? But, you know, what would we ask for, right? And if we were talking about our friends and our families, what would we ask for? What's interesting to me is what he did not ask for. He did not say, I've got five brothers, and could you please just give them some more time? You ever feel like time's running out? I do. Sometimes I find myself saying to God things like, man, God, I mean, I know your plan is perfect and all that, but why didn't I get to plant the gathering when I was 30? Man, what could I have done 20 years ago? Man, I, I don't think I'm, I'm not going to live till I'm 130, God. Like, sometimes I just want to say, I want more time. We want more time. Okay, <laughs> I better not say that. I'm, I'm filtering in my head right now. Sorry. Let me filter. Huh. Um, Wendy's praying so hard right now. She's like, filter baby, filter baby, filter baby, filter baby. Okay, so, um, uh, okay, I'm going to try to say this. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm filtering. This is what it looks like when pastors filter. Um, ah, forget it. Let's just go and filter it. Here we go. Now I'm going to finally say it, and you'll be like, that was nothing. But I, I'm trying to do it in a way that won't offend somebody needlessly, right? So I, I'm just going to give you, I'm trying not to talk about politics, but my first reaction when I, see, when I see a vote come up in politics for, like, a tax increase, like, hey, we want you to approve a tax increase so that we'll have more money to do good things, right? My first reaction every time, my first reaction is, I don't want to give you more money. You waste all the money we give you now. Now, that may not be true, okay? That's the, that's the end of the political rant. That's just something we can all, we can all relate to because we all sit in that little booth and go, yes or no, but, but it's for the kids. But, oh, but I don't trust them with my money, right? That's a very real thing, okay? You don't need more time. We waste the time we have. The rich man didn't ask for more time for his family. Do you know what he asked for? Perspective. Would you just send a dead person back from the dead to stand in front of my family and tell them that this is real? Open their eyes and give them an eternal perspective. Please. They don't need more time. They'll waste that. They don't need more money. I wasted that. What they need is to know this is real. We don't need more time or money. We need perspective. We need an eternal perspective because if we can get an eternal perspective now, it will change the way we live our lives on earth. The big idea says this, eternity starts here and now, not there and then. You're already living eternity. Everything we do here impacts there. It doesn't start when you die. It starts while you're living. I read a book years ago, and, and I have to give you a couple of disclaimers as we start to bring this to a close. One, I'm not an evangelist, okay? So when I start, when, when we start closing this out with like, you should tell your friends about Jesus, like that, I feel that as just like you do, right? Like, 
I don't even know if I know my neighbor's name, right? Well, okay, start there, right? Start there. Just get to know their name, right? And not at the same time you tell them about hell, right? Just, just introduce yourself and then later go back with the chocolate chip cookies and talk about eternity, right? Um, so when I say things like evangelism, I, mean, I feel your pain. Like I don't, it's not, some of you in here, you are called as an evangelist. I mean, you're like, you're, you're talking to anybody and everybody about Jesus all the time, Right? But I read a book years ago, and here's the, here was the title. It was called The One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. I was like, that's, got my, that's a pretty cool title. I'd like to check that out. Guess what the one thing is you can't do in heaven? Tell people about Jesus. It's too late. We'll worship forever. Now, we spend a lot of time worshiping, and we'll do that forever, right? We get a lot of credence to reading the Bible. We'll be with the Word. But the one thing you can't do in heaven is tell people about Jesus. It's too late. Man, it challenged me, you know. Again, that's perspective. Ugh. Eternity, having an eternal perspective, helps us do here what we can't do there. It helps us do now what we can't do then. What we can't do then is tell people about Jesus. And this rich man figured that out too late. It's like if I could do anything, I would go back and just tell my brothers, it's real. But I can't. We can. Isn't that good news? We still can. We have time now to do something about eternity. We can tell people about Jesus. We have this life for that. And the rich man realized it before it was too late. We didn't. And I love that God has brought you here this morning just to hear this message. We still have time to do something about eternity. So, you know, I'm a video guy, right? Because I know that at this point, I've been talking for like 25 minutes, and you're like, you lost me at five. So you know, I'm always like, I need, a, I need a picture or a video, just something to bring it back in, like pull you back in, uh, the big clothes. And so, you know, I spend a lot of my sermon prep. I don't know if this is good or not, but I, I'm on YouTube all the time. <laughs> like, I'm looking for something good, like show you at the very end. Um, and so I watched a couple, like I've got some go-tos. Like I love the clip at the end of Schindler's List. I almost showed that, um, but I didn't. And then I've, I, I love John Bevere. You know, if you were here last week and you saw that Cliff video, he's got some really good videos. And he's got a great video about eternity and about our calling. And I almost showed that, but I kept coming back to this video that I showed you two years ago. It would be two years ago this March. It's not very long at all. And I was like, I don't want to show it again because I've already shown it. But I, could, I just kept watching it. I was like, this is amazing. It's like, if, I wish, why didn't I think of this, right? But I can show it to you, and that's good. So if, you, if you've been here more than two years at a church, you've already seen this clip. I think you'll love seeing it again. If you haven't, this is the best clip I can think of to help us leave this place this morning with an eternal perspective. Would you just close your eyes and bow your head? I'm going to leave you with a few words, and then we're going to pray. What we do now impacts where we'll be then. Reality. Reality is not something that we use to scare people with or manipulate them with, but reality is, it sometimes causes us to stop short and have that wait what moment, doesn't it? This week I saw something, well, I saw two somethings. One, a family in our church lost a loved one. They've, they've known it was coming. There's been sickness. But when it actually does happen, eternity becomes very real. And then the next morning, I, I get on social media and see another friend of ours here in town 
whose husband went to sleep and didn't wake up. Not much older than me. Boy, that'll make eternity real. That'll give you an eternal perspective. And what I love and hate is what Francis Chan said in that video clip. That eternity can begin for any of us at any time. And all I believe Jesus is saying right now is, from the oldest in this room down to high school and preteen and elementary school, which now is in Kid City hearing Miss Bridget talk about this stuff, and I think what he's saying is, don't live this life for only this life. Eternity is real, and that perspective will change the way that we live here. So I want to ask you this question first to people in the room who, right now, this might be the most you've thought about eternity in your life. It was the last 30 minutes, right? But you're hearing this, and you're like, man, I, I've, got to, I've got to make some decisions about Jesus because, because eternity is real, and we don't know when it when we cross from this life to the next, but we know that eternity has already begun. It's here and now, not there and then. And so you're here in this room, you're like, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm following Jesus, that I'm right with Jesus. I've never done that. Or I need to recommit my life to him today in light of eternity. Um, hey, would, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me? I want to pray with you this morning that, that you would leave this place this morning knowing that your eternity is secure with the Lord. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you. And believers, those of you in the room, and you're like, I'm, I'm positive when I die I'm going to be with Jesus forever, but I'm also equally positive that I am squandering this life. <laughs> like this was a wake-up call that, that this eternal perspective, um, I feel like I might be a little bit more like the rich man, not necessarily in wealth, but in the way that I'm living. I'm short-sighted. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing people. I'm not seeing the people at my gate that God's put there. I'm missing opportunities because I'm not living with eternity in mind. And this morning, you just want to say to God, I want to repent of that. Thank you for lovingly um, using this morning to remind me of that. And I just want to say, God, forgive me. And I want, to, I want to recommit myself to going out of this place this morning, seeing the world through a different lens, a lens of eternity and not this life only. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. Um, and we want to pray. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody else before we pray? Thank you. Thank you. Now, we're going to pray, and here's what I believe. Because we pray that prayer, you're going to be put in situations today and this week that give you the opportunity to flesh that out, okay? So when those opportunities come to you, <laughs> don't be like, oh, man, some poor man getting licked by dogs. What? Just say, no, this is, my, this is what I prayed for. This is my opportunity to live with an eternal perspective here on earth. So, Father, right now in your name, Jesus, I pray over this house. Um, I believe this, God, that when we really see eternity and have that perspective, I believe, God, that we will, we will impact people and impact cities and impact states and countries like never before. Because the reality is we are running out of time. But we don't need more of that. We just need the fire and passion that eternity is real and will begin today for somebody. 
And our prayer is that as a church, God, you would send us to those somebodies and that we'd be able to share with them the great news that Jesus has come to save us from an eternity without him and to give us an eternity with him. That is such good news, God. I pray that we would meet all kinds of Lazaruses this week and have the opportunity to share that good news with them. And that whether our church grows as a result or not, I pray that your kingdom would and that heaven would be fuller next week than it is today because we choose to live with an eternal perspective. In your name, Jesus, amen.